Hello boys and girls, AJ Roberts here with another inspiring episode of The Best Version of You. Now, before we get into the meat of it, I just wanted to bring to your attention a fantastic programme that I am running, starting on the 2nd of September, and it is absolutely free. It's a 30-day online body transformation package, which I'm delivering across all social platforms to anybody who wants to lose a bit of weight, put on some decent amount of muscle and tone, want to educate themselves in exercise and nutrition, and more importantly, want to really build their confidence at the same time, make loads of new friends. Now, like I said, this is absolutely free of charge. I'm going to be running it via Facebook, uh, via Instagram, and via LinkedIn. So if you haven't got either one of those platforms, you can always use a different one. The Link for this exciting 30-day program will be in the show notes. Okay, so make sure you click on it, jump right in, register, and I will see you on the other side. Enjoy the show. Hello, this is AJ Roberts, 15-year British Forces veteran, entrepreneur, high-performance coach, and loving father and husband. This podcast is for the motivated, for the inspired, For those looking to level up their lives through fitness, nutrition and their mindset. Welcome to the best version of you. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the best version of you. I am your host as always, Mr. AJ Roberts. And today I am extremely excited to bring you another veteran who's got another amazing story in the man that is Sean Jones MC. Now, I'll let Sean go into a bit more detail uh, about the MC shortly. Um, To give you a bit of a brief, Sean did 16 years in the Prince of Wales Royal Regiment, that's PWRR. Um, Unfortunately, Sean's career came to a bit of a close earlier than he wished. He was discharged after being diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, in 2018. Uh, And this was as a result of lots of anxiety, depression, uh, unfortunately, suicidal thoughts. Um, And this led to Sean leaving the army early this year. Um, Sean is a massive advocate for mental health after him coming out the other side. Sean's also a veteran of multiple operational tours, namely Afghanistan in 2011, where he was awarded the Military Cross for his unbelievable bravery and getting guys out of a complex ambush. But I'll let Sean talk more about that. So Sean, without further ado, welcome to the show, mate. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me on. Um, I've been, well, we've been talking about this for a a while now, haven't we? So finally, We've got to it, so yeah, it's good. Now, Sean, um, just briefly, let's just talk about um, what you know leading up to you being discharged with, uh, unfortunately, PTSD. Um, just for the guys and girls at home listening, it, it, it's something that just you know seems to just hit somebody uh, or most people out of nowhere. Really, it's kind of unexpected, and the people that I've had on the show, you know, recently have very much touched on that. It just kind of come out of nowhere. Um, was it yeah. similar with yourself? 
Yeah, it, it was it's strange, really, um, because I, I was in my unit in Germany, based in Germany, um, and I've been I just come off the promotion board um, for colour sergeant, uh, and I was getting posted back to the UK, um, and everything was great, everyone was exciting. I'd never really massively noticed much going on with me, but just before I left Germany um, in this transition period to moving back, I I went out for a run. And um, I went sort of, I lost 40 minutes of my life essentially because I don't really remember what happened. I sort of had like a bit of a blackout during this run. My wow. um, run time was still going, so I knew what's just gone on for the last 40 minutes. I was walking around a cornfield essentially, um, which, you know, I'm not a massive fan of. Um, so I sort of went and spoke to the doctors, and, and they initially signposted me to the um, DCMH, which is the mental health sort of um you know side of life within the military over in germany yeah. also i've been posted so I had a couple of appointments over there and i i posted back to the uk um to pick up the, the treatment over there but just as i posted just everything sort of crashed down to be honest with you um i just got into a to a funk i just slumped um i, I don't know what it was i had none of my you know, my peers around me or anything like that. Um, and we end up, end up on a holiday, um, a family holiday with some friends. And actually during that family holiday um, is where I, I planned my own suicide. Um, but sure. cool. um, yeah, so, I mean, bear in mind, I was with three close friends um, who were all serving in the same unit as me, um, their families and that. And just how I become on that holiday, I, I ruined it for everyone essentially because I was I was moody, was distant, um, you know, I was causing issues. I wasn't happy, um, so I was causing issues. We never had any arguments. I was just, you know, people noticed there was a difference in me. Um, obviously, that ended after a week or so. Um, we went back to the UK. Um, I was due to start my new job a few weeks later. So I had loads of leave to take. So I had about another month worth of leave. And, and yeah, I just, just got so low. I was just continuously thinking, right, that's it. Um, I'm done. You know, it's easier for everyone if I'm not around, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I ended up getting involved, obviously, with the mental health team back in the UK. Um, you know, and, and, the journey went on from there really um, it was a difficult period um around that time so i'd been seeing the, the mental health team for a, for a month or so i'd been signed off sick from work so i never actually turned up at, at optag or the training and advisory group in the uk where i was posted to um, i never actually got there i was put on sick leave and um during that time i you know I literally i left the house to go and um never return um Thankfully, I had some form of blackout and I ended up on a beach. And uh, my wife found me later on that evening. Oh, yeah. So it was a crazy time, to be honest with you. There's so much that went on in between there. Um, but I, I pretty much hit rock bottom massively. And was that, was that the turning point for you to then go and get help or like really hit home to say, like, I need to sort this out now if you know, my wife's finding me? No, not at that point. Really? Um, yeah, obviously she found me. Um, we spoke about it. 
I promised I would never do it again. Um, I was on medication at this point as well, which is an important one because I'd always said I didn't want to be on medication. I didn't want to be seen as being on it for the rest of my life. Um, and I would put on it in the end. Of the, I said, always said to the doctors, if it's a choice, then I don't want to be on it. If you're telling me as a medical professional, it's time to go on it, there's a difference. Yeah. And it got to the point where they told me I was, I was going to be on it. Um, and, you know, things slightly improved after that, but obviously I was on antidepressants and stuff like that. So things do improve anyway, but I was going through the form of therapy. The hard part of the therapy was at that time wasn't necessarily the therapy itself that was hard enough but my therapy was in Woolwich in London so I was driving two hours to an appointment where I was anxious before I got there to talk about not nice stuff to then be anxious for two hours on the way home after not talking about nice stuff (laughs) yeah it just wasn't just didn't work um I ended up you know the relationship with the um, with a psychologist become fractured just purely because of my frustrations at the system and it just just wasn't wasn't working it wasn't a, a great dynamic to be to be part of um, and it, it, it eventually came to a head you know my marriage broke down in that time um, but I was still living in in my house you know I married quarter because I couldn't be on an army camp because of what was what was wrong with me yeah, the doctor. Well, you can't be on a camp. Well, no one was going to put me in a hotel, were they? So yeah. I was in my pad. So you know, we'd we'd split up, and we were living in the same house. It was a, it was a bit of a nightmare, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, you know, there was a lot going on for her <clears throat> during the time. Frog in my throat. There was a lot going on for her at the time. Um, so it sort of broke down a bit. We were still good friends, but. What happened was is that I then started to progress and the medication probably had something to do with that as well. Um, and we got to sort of Christmas 20, 2017. Um, and at that point there, you know, we were getting on really well. Uh, we looked at finance. Um, we were looking at trying to sort things out together, but I wanted them in a house anyway, so they were there somewhere to go. And yeah, well, I sort of broke down again over the Christmas period, um, drank heavily, um, ended up in an altercation in a bar, um, got my jaw broke. I have no recollection of the event whatsoever. Um, I missed, again, hours and hours of my life, but I've just been drinking for a long time. It's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a nasty mix, isn't it? And um, you know, going back to the guys I've had on before, there's... Uh, whenever there's alcohol involved and 99, yeah. 99% of the time in the military, there is alcohol involved at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. The drink culture in the military is, is there. And we, you know, those military people that are listening know what the drink culture is. And for me, because I was good at my job, I messed up quite a lot over my career, but I had a pretty clean record when I left yeah. um, because things were sort of swept away because it was, I got the feeling it was, ah, it's Sean, he's, he's a good lad, what, what, you know, let's sort this out. So I was never really held to account for anything. Yeah. Um, so I just got away with a lot of stuff, you know. Mm. Um, don't know whether it was, at the time it was good, but I look back on reflection now and think, 
had I been held to account for something I'd done early on in my career, maybe I may have noticed a difference in myself because I did change over the years. Mm. Um, but in that all-male all environment, that's an aggressive environment at times, it's easy to hide stuff, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah I'm saying uh, everywhere I've been posted, because um, I mean, you obviously being in infantry regiment, you guys tend to go around together, don't you? Uh, yeah. uh, Royal Engineers or other sort of cat badges tend to get posted here, there, and everywhere. So everywhere I have been, yeah, it's um, in a sort of like infantry environment. It's very much just nat- you can just feel that vibe, kind of just naturally, yeah. naturally aggressive, and it's just like pe- like people just seem to need to let off a lot of steam. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It's different. So, I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but actually I was in the Royal Engineers to start with. Um, oh, no. Yeah, so it, it, I transferred away. Um, it's, it's something that, you know, when did I leave? I was in 2-8 Engineer Regiment. In Hamel? Um, yeah, yeah. So I was there for two years, I think I was, um, okay. and transferred. So not a lot of people know that, um, to be honest with you. It's not you know, just a long time ago, to be fair, it's like 2003. So, okay. uh, 2003, 2004. So, um, but yeah, the dynamic is slightly different. You know, the engineers are quite relaxed at times mm. with how things are done. Whereas the infantry is very regimented and the rank structure is 100% there. Um, yeah. Whereas in the engineers, everyone's quite pally and matey and has a, has a good, relationship good working relationships whereas it's not necessarily like that in the infantry yeah yeah I've, I've noticed when and also the the engineers tend to build the bar and the infantry like smash it up <laughs> essentially yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you guys um, engineers are still allowed squadron bars on day whereas infantry certainly aren't <laughs> yeah um going back obviously to like younger years uh, you joined the army at 16 uh, yeah you know which is it's pretty good going. I, I, I personally joined a little later and I, I'm kind of glad yeah. I did because you've kind of, you find your feet a little bit, you, you know, you, you have to grow up if you want to, yeah. you, you know, if you want to leave home at a young age um, and you can take that into the military with you. So you have that little bit of life experience. So yeah. going, going into the army at 16, I think no matter what regiment you're in, you have to grow up very quickly, don't you? Yeah, um, it is. You, you do. I mean, if I had my time again, also change anything, but definitely consider joining a bit of um, It was just difficult at that age. Um, with the army at the time, hadn't really gone through that that transition stage. The, the bullying was still there. Um, you know, I was subject to massive bullying when I joined the army. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's one of the reasons why my time in the engineers didn't go so great oh, okay um, but that culture was still there and because I was so young but I was quite tall for my age you know I didn't look 16 years old um I tried to sort of I don't know sort of better word peacock you know try to puff out my chest and be a bit try and be a bit older and wiser and not back down to people that were older than me, but it just doesn't work like that in the military. And I've come a cropper to that um, several times. Um, yeah, so it didn't go well for me initially. So I'd, I'd probably hold off a little bit 
to be honest with you, if I had my time again. And um, was there any particular reason that you chose to join the army? Did you always want to be a soldier? Yeah, so my, so my uncle was um, in the Welsh Guards and my stepdad, um, who, who brought me up um, pretty much, or I lived with, um, you know, from when I was about seven, six, seven years old. Um, he was, he was um, in the Royal Regiment of Wales. So I was around the army a lot as a kid um mm. so for me it was just i wanted to I, I i wanted to be in the army from an early age i think probably i probably decided when i was about 14 15 that that's what i was going to do um because i knew that's what i wanted to do i probably jacked it in a little bit in school because i knew what i wanted to do yeah um, which again had my time again stay in school <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, it's it's totally true. And um, uh, my my brother's uh, he's uh, he's he's at the special forces unit, and yes. although he's amazing at what he does, uh, he's an amazing soldier. He's like really fit. He's elite, um, but he wants to commission to to be an officer. Uh, yeah. and he's got he's got to redo his maths GCSE as a result. <laughs> <laughs> so just exactly. it just. It just goes to show you, yeah, you can't hide. You literally can't hide. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, so many guys do it, so many kids do it. And, you know, we're both, I'm sure we both agree. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am today without the military and being, a, being, a, being an army brat myself as well. My, I, you know, I, I lived in Germany all, for whole years as a kid, teenage years. And, um, you know, I, I owed a lot to the army and it's kind of shaped me into who I am and, yeah. Uh, what I do now and what I want to do in the future, um, yeah. and it, it definitely it definitely molds you and helps mold you. And the, the, the skills you, you get from from the military, no matter what branch you're in, uh, are very very easily transferable into civvy street, and hence why you can spot a squatty a mile off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely. So obviously you transferred into Prince Wales Royal Regiment. Um, Talk us through that that time, obviously, from, you know, private up until when, you know, you really got into sort of like the command levels of... Yeah. So, um, when I left, so when I left the, the engineers, um, I was already a Lance Corporal, actually. Um, and so I did my NCO carder in Germany, in Hamel, um, and I transferred across. Um, and they actually let me keep my rank. Um, which for me was a shock. Um, I thought I was going to end up back in in Catrick um, straight away, but um, I didn't. They let me keep my rank um, during the the process. So from from leaving the engineers um, to going across to the infantry and my level of understanding of leadership from the engineers, once I got to the infantry, it was a whole different world. Um, The approach to leadership in the infantry was was really different. Um, the engineers, as I alluded to before, it was, can sometimes be a, I don't know, like a, a Lord of the Flies scenario of people just really not wanting to do it and it's just like there's a couple of bickering sessions and things like that. And sometimes, sometimes, not all the time in the engineers, but sometimes you, you promote through your job um, and, and it's not necessarily the best way. No. Whereas in the infantry, um, I got across there I had a bit of a culture shock because it, I was being called corporal straight away. And I was like, oh no, my name's Sean. Yeah. 
the, the private side. No, it's oh, right. so straight away the the very basics of, of leadership. I didn't. I don't think I had a good grasp on them. Even though I've done an NCO card, I've just been thrashed around a bit. It doesn't mean you're a, you're a leader. Mm. Um, so those early days were were quite um, yeah hairy. Trying to work out the system and the company majors but within the infantry of how they wanted things done under platoon sergeants. So for me, trying to learn that that craft as a as a lance corporal early on from platoon sergeants that were, you know, weathered by war already, you know, I just wasn't getting things right. Um so I had to really go back to basics and I was lucky that I had a good friend there that um you know he he sort of mentored me, whether he knew or not. I just looked at how he was doing things and I was like, right, I do that like that. He doesn't need to shout at the blokes. He doesn't need to demand respect. He just gets it. Mm. But on the flip side to it, I had people in my, he wasn't in my platoon, so I had people in my platoon where they would demand the respect. They would shout at the blokes. So I had these two different styles of leadership. And I was like, how do I fall into this? Um, so I was trying to find the middle ground very, very quickly because the company I was in was was deploying on uh, um, as the second armoured infantry company to go into Helmand. Because armoured infantry, you know, it's been used it was used heavily in Iraq and, and other theatres yeah. of war, but Afghan, it was a whole new sort of concept. So I had to learn things pretty quickly. Um, and those early days, like I said, were me just trying to work out how things were. And I went down too far right at times. I went down the, the aggressive leader, um, you know, the, the demand in the respect. Um, I have rank, you will do what I say type mm. stuff. Um, and it took me a while to snap out of that. It really did. Um, you know, it was, it was a difficult, difficult time. That was trust trying to fit in, in an operational Mm. training cycle um so my early days wasn't well liked by the privates to be honest with you and i know i wasn't there to necessarily be liked by the privates because i was there to do a job you still have to work and serve and fight alongside them so i had didn't find the balance so i found them early days to transition from the engineers to to the infantry especially in that op tour cycle really difficult mm. um but once once i sort of it got on the ground in afghan it, it sort of changed a little bit and actually a little bit more approachable um, and you calm down a bit um, once you get settled so it was okay um, at first um, but you know there's, there was a lot of things that happened early on on that tour that changed me probably changed me to where I am today started from that point for me from an IED strike I was involved in yeah and you know sometimes it takes an unfortunate event to quickly change the dynamics of how you are as a person and especially a leader um yeah we've all seen them in the past like the the people who we you know we always say like oh he's a really good camp camp corporal yeah and by yeah. that i don't i don't by that i don't mean like as in homosexual yeah. like as in um as in they're, they're really good at shouting and barking orders you know in yeah. nice nice pressed iron uniform on camp but the minute yeah. they get the minute they get into the field and uh, they have to think about three hundred different things at once because yeah. they're in, 
charge of the blokes and their safety, they just completely lose it. Yeah. Um, so it's you like you said, it's absolutely imperative you find that balance. Um, uh, I, having done so much leadership stuff over the last few years, it's easy to look back and go, "Why did I do that? Why did I do that?" You know, once you've actually done all that kind of stuff. But uh, I've always found um, the best commanders are the ones that, and the best leaders are the ones that take some really good snippets of everybody's ideas yeah. and advice. Uh, as a as a collective as a team and then yeah. am amalgamate them into a, like a you know a top plan and you'll find that the productive productivity and the efficiency of your guys and girls you know elevates massively doesn't it yeah like i there was a massive difference so post post sort of that operic eight um or eight slash nine um i was wounded on that and i came back and i went through the rehab sort of stuff I deployed back on that score again. Um, obviously, that that bit there sort of changed me a bit. But when I got further down the road and I did junior Brecon, which was which what we have to do to become um, four corporals, that that there changed how I approached leading my men, mm. women. Um, it was it's a really really good course just to make you look at yourself. There is no one's better than anyone on that course until the final day. Um, yeah. And the instructors make sure that everyone knows that regardless of how fit you are, how good a soldier you are, it, it don't matter. Um, so really getting on that course changed how I did things and the way I looked at leaders and, you know, how I knew I didn't have to shout to get things done. And if, the blokes knew that they could trust me. Trust is a massive thing for me. Like the guys knew they could trust me. And obviously, as a, as a, as a corporal later on, on a later op Herrick, I didn't have to tell my blokes anything. They would come with me into anything. And I knew that. And they said that to me um, because of the trust and the respect they had for me. Not because I shouted at them. Hmm. There was times where I did shout at them where they knew they dropped a bollock. Um, yeah. But you know, after uh, you know, they they trusted me. Trust, trust, and leadership is a huge thing, in, yeah, in my opinion. And yeah. if they know, regardless of what the job is, whether it's military, whether it's in industry, whatever, if you, as their leader, are willing to do what they have done or what they're about to do, then you, I, I think, you become a good leader. If they know you will do it, if you need to, they will trust you and they will do that job to a better, to a oh, better, absolutely. better. And I, I found as well, and uh, I, I actually found a lot on in the civilian sector, um, is that if you really um, take away that didactic, uh, I say you do approach, um, yeah. and just throw it in a bin because it doesn't work, um, and you actually empower your subordinates and your peers, and yeah. you, you give them that element of command you 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 would have seen it on on your tours of afghan and and other like what you know big exercises and stuff like that yeah. that you they immediately act a rank up you know they yeah. just they suddenly take everything to the next level um and i found switching that approach was it made such a difference in that um so when we unfortunately you know, got into firefight situations you know or ambushes and stuff like that you had guys that were like sappers privates like yeah. give, giving command 
giving commands like yeah. a, an N- you would expect from an NCO yeah. because you, you'd empowered them to do so. And then they weren't obviously, they were that confident in their job. They weren't scared to do so either. Yeah. We, we during the, the back end of my time in, in Germany, so my, my senior NCO, my platoon sergeant type, type area, we went through a huge transition within our, our battalion and our regiment. Um, we were we were doing this empowering stuff. You know, there's a lot of times and people will relate to this where they've got qualifications uh, to run ranges and stuff like that, but they they never did them. It was always the, the boss, you know, the platoon commander or or the platoon sergeant that ran them. It was actually we were like, well, no, we don't have to. They've done the course, they're qualified, they can run the course. And it was like empowering the junior NCOs and, it, and, you know, and the privates because they couldn't arrange it in that, but empowering at the lowest level to do what they're qualified to do was the catchphrase, so to speak, um, was, was brilliant for not only retention, but to allow them to, to grow. Nobody grows unless you allow them to do what they've been qualified to do. Um, yeah. You can qualify in anything you want, but if you're not in the position to use it, you don't grow in, in that. So we were empowering everyone at the lowest level with what they were qualified to do. Um, and, and it worked really well. We, we grew some fantastic leaders um, over the last sort of six years within that battalion. We always had good leaders anyway, but just that transition. I think the army was changing as well. It's this leadership and development, but we did really well with our, with our younger guys. Yeah, and um, I think it's it's long overdue because I'm sure you agree now that you're out and you've seen you've been through the whole transition thing and likewise, you know, you you would have met and networked with a lot of people um, yeah. and it's one thing that I come across on a weekly basis because I, I help a lot of lads getting out and get and lasses um, just from using my network uh, and contacts into helping people into civilian life that that going back to that approach where they're not being empowered and it's, they've been in, they've been part of that. I say you do type environment. Um, yeah. it, it leads them to massively undersell themselves when it comes to future employment, uh, yeah. or even, even, you know, even thinking of starting up their own business. Like they just, uh, just way off the mark because they go in there with a totally, you know, not negative attitude, but they just undersell themselves massively and they don't realize the actual sheer potential that they've got. And the fact that so many companies all over the UK and worldwide, you know, will they're hanging out to have a junior NCO or somebody stand up and deliver training and development yeah. to, to the guys and girls that work in departments within their company. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Well, you imagine it, you know, a 20 year old junior NCO knows how to take and structure a lesson, lesson properly. Mm. So if you can someone in whatever it is within the civilian sector to, to do that, you've got someone for a very long time that come out of the army at an early stage. They know at 20 years old, how to structure a lesson properly. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be elements that are going to be different, obviously, but the structure is there and their confidence is there as well. And that's the thing. You don't really get that a lot of the time in the civilian sector. And you're right, guys either undersell themselves um, or, or they, I think they go too overconfident at times. I think there's, there's they just, we need to find, sometimes they need to find the middle ground and just know that they're okay just to be their own personality, be themselves. They don't have to go OTT, but don't undersell yourself either. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, massively. And, um, 
it's it is a big obviously big learning curve and it's it's different mm-hmm. for everyone uh, depending, yeah. on, depending on the industry you want to go down yeah. um but let's uh obviously i want to touch on like how you ended up in the position you were in but more importantly like how you come out on the other side um i think we've covered a lot of good ground here you know yeah. spe- especially with sort of like the the adulty grown-up stuff with leadership and uh, <laughs> the, the empowering and stuff out, which is amazing. Um, but there's a lot of people out there right now, and there'll be people listening to this um, who are too scared to talk, uh, or they just they just don't want to talk, or their barriers are right up. They're a closed book. Um, run us through like your your story of how you suddenly got diagnosed with PTSD, but like what it was in particular that, you know, really helped you come out the other side since the position where you are now and likewise, you know, helping yeah. other people. So, I mean, what, what really, I had a big culture shock essentially in um, January 18. I, I ended up in a, in a psychiatric unit um, and it really isn't a place that, that you want to be. Um, and it's strange because it's a nice place if that makes sense it's a really strange one Mm. but I ended up there um, because people thought I was going to you know kill myself Um, so so I ended up in a a secure unit and I had time to reflect in there I had time to just have no worries I, I was just safe and everything that was going on in life just could stop for me um so I could it was like a reset it really was and that time in there was just massive reflection points of look where I am I don't want to come back to a place like this how do I how do I progress from here and the only thing I could ever really come back to or the only common denominator was I am the only person that can change what's going to happen in the future Hmm. I can, you can have whatever, however many doctors and specialists and family members and friends around you as you want. You've got to want that change. You've got to get into that positive mindset or a better mindset. I wasn't necessarily positive, but I was in a better mindset. Hmm. I then sort of leaned into the help that was provided for me. So I, so I took something. So I took someone's value and I started to absorb it. And I started to, to look at myself and think, what else, what are other people doing to, to stop this? And there was these suggestions of, you know, this um, wellness and meditation and things like that. And I just thought, you know, I'm, a, I'm an infantryman. That, that's, that's not a thing. That's what I thought in the past. And actually, I, it was work. It, I started to do it. And I started to exercise regularly because I'd stop exercising. Through, through this period, these last, the last four months of 2017 and, and early 18, I put on, you know, I, I usually sit between 75 and 80 kilos, there, thereabouts, not too much more than that. I hit about 90 something kilos, you know, wow. so I put a lot of weight on. Mm. Um, so I started running early in the morning, um, or at, at least exercising in the day, meditation, and, and having you know, a routine, a morning routine for me was, was key, right? It was key to, to starting my journey 
and keeping to that um, and knowing what I was doing. Um, now I was in a unique situation where I was still in the army, um, but on sick leave. So for me at the time, money wasn't a problem. And I know that's a lot of cause a lot of people's issues, but for me, just in my specific journey, I was okay. So I just knew I needed to carry on with my routine of meditation and fitness and attending my, my therapy weekly. Um, and those three things there really helped me in that first part of acceptance and accepting of something wrong because I didn't think there was anything wrong with me really until I was in that psychiatric hospital. Um, and accepting there was a problem is, is massive, regardless of PTSD, depression, anxiety, whatever it is, you need to accept that there's something not right. You have to agree with it, but accepting is slightly different. Um, and that helps you heal a bit better and more efficiently, I think. And um, when you finally well, accepted it, yeah. um, was that quite a long period that you were just like uh, sort of beating yourself up that you wouldn't accept it or? It, well, it was, I mean, I mean, essentially that, that acceptance, I mean, there was probably something wrong with me since 2008, genuinely as well. There probably was an issue that was masked by, by the military machine, yeah. by the job, by <clears throat> operational tools and stuff like that. So there's probably something wrong with me from then. So for me, to get to 2018 to say, all right, I've, I've got a problem here. Um, That's a long time. That's a t 10 year, 10 year gap. It, is. it was massive, mate. And, and I mean, I, without going into too much detail, you know, you look into your, your medical records and people do think that there was an issue with you back then, but it's not dealt with back then mm. properly. Um, you know, there's, and you look back now on reflection and think, why did I make those decisions? Why did I drop myself in it there? Why did I make that decision? And it was all a lot of the time heavy drinking. Um, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I didn't stop when I started. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, I'd got 12, 14 hour binge sessions, not remember nothing, uh, wake up in cells. And I know sometimes that can be put down to that military culture, but actually it was decisions I was making um, and, and hiding it through military culture mm. because I was a, you know, good bloke. Um, so it, for me, it was a long period, but it's only when I've, I'm out of the situation, but when I was out of the situation, I could look back and go, I was awesome when I was on tour because I love soldiering. Mm. I, was, I loved it in the field, but we, we spoke earlier about he's a good in-camp soldier a lot. I, was, I wasn't that great because I would drop myself in it or turn up late for work. You know, I was just, you know, not what I should have been doing all the time. So there was these patterns I can look back on now and you can say it's coincidence or whatever, um, but I look back now and think, you know, so, so many warning signs there that I could have dealt with things a lot earlier and, and they weren't. So I, I get myself to 2018 and in this psychiatric unit there's a realization that there is a serious problem and it took me to get there you know mm. it wasn't the suicide attempt beforehand where i've gone off to, to never return again that wasn't the reality check 
it was the hospital. Uh, yeah. I was quite happy and willing to, to die essentially. I wasn't, it didn't bother me. My mindset was just gone. Um, so yeah, the, the development for me started post that, that stay in that psychiatric unit. And it was then realizing that the people I was around weren't necessarily, even though they were good friends, weren't necessarily the people that I needed to be around. I needed to be around positive stuff, yeah. um, positive people, positive outcomes. And I needed to cut negativity off. Negativity was all around my life and I didn't even know it. Um, so I needed to cut negativity off and, and in, in, you know, implement positive stuff. So starting the day off properly, it's a positive start. Boom. Yeah. You're already onto a winner. Um, so that for me was, was a huge thing. And uh, I take it that's something you still implement to this day, just being around positivity all the time. Yeah, so like I've not fallen out with any of my friends per se, but there's probably about 95% of the people I spoke to when I was in the military I don't really speak with anymore. Yeah. Um, well, not regularly anyway. So you've um, distanced yourself basically. Yeah, because there's still that, they're still in the army and there's still that, negative vibe from them at times they're not negative people but they can have a different vibe that i don't really want to be around too much anymore yeah it doesn't help your cause to, yeah and i started to surround myself with more positive people and there were positive people that i already knew i rekindled old, old, old friendships that i hadn't had for years yeah. um, and you know sought out friends that had left the military um you know woody prime example um you know, he, he helped me in those early days. He still does now, to be fair. So it was, it was surrounding myself with a bit more positivity. Yeah, and it's, um, it's not just the, the positivity in itself. It's the people you're surrounding yourself that actually gen generally want to see you win as well. Yeah. You know? Which yeah. I think is, which is so important. Um, and you just naturally, uh, if, if you're, you're always in that mindset, then you naturally attract, you know, it's just that law of attraction, isn't it? You just naturally yeah. attract like like-minded people all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, yeah, it, it, it is so important to do that. And it's, it's been exactly the same for myself, you know, since I, I left the military, I, although I live, uh, I live in a garrison town. Yeah. I only see the people I want to see. I don't see the people I have to see. And yeah. it's, I, I like that balance, you know, but at the same time, um, I, I keep keep that arm's distance away from the negativity, um, and I literally just surround myself. Whether it be online, um, net, you know, networking with people like veterans, like doing podcasts like this, um, it's just it's so vitally important for for myself as well uh, moving forward. And no matter what you're doing, you know, for your own personal development journey, and you know, no matter what your your past is, is just vital, so vitally important to surround yourself with positivity all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, and like, like I said, it doesn't mean like you know you have to sort of delete ninety five percent of yeah your friends on social media. It's just it's just or even family. It's just distancing yourself slightly, yeah. Um, whilst keeping you know just keeping it at arm's length really, but yeah. still saying hello. Um, but like you said, you know it's all about that growth mindset now, isn't it? You've yeah, got, you've gone past that you know that huge hurdle and upset of being in that situation of being in a psychiatric ward and uh, with, with your issues to now 
being in that position where your growth mindset is imperative uh, and yeah. continues to do so. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And you know, it only, it only progressed on better from there, to be honest with you, because like I said the acceptance phase was there, the, the, the getting rid of the negativity and then just working on myself and, and working on my home and, and just being generally happier, you know, mm. um, was, was key. And like I said, me speaking with people and like-minded people just elevates that because you have a different type of conversation you know, it's like this now, all right, we're talking about me, but earlier on we had a conversation, you know, about other things and, you know, it's, it's a positive conversation, whereas mm. you can talk to people that might be a bit negative in their conversations. You're just like, oh, well, you don't put as much into it. You know, there's not as much interaction and, yeah, yeah. you know, I, you're not rude about things, but you just get on with it. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, Brexit. All right. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> you know, same as Boris Johnson becoming prime minister, but tomorrow, the day after the sky's still going to be blue. Well, not yeah. the minute, not the minute, but <laughs> like, uh, the letterboxes are still going to be red and you know, you know, my, my farts are still going to smell. It's just, yeah. it hasn't, doesn't affect you that much. Um, yeah. so if, if that's all you've got to talk about, then, uh, you know, move along. But, um, yeah. so, so go back into, obviously positivity and like your, your routine and stuff like that. Like I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of morning routines and uh, I stress it a lot. I talk about it on my, my social media platforms a lot on, on Instagram and stuff like that. And um, we go walking every morning, me and the wife and okay. it's a really good way to just chat. Yeah. Um, we literally go for a walk with a brew. Uh, people probably think we're mental, but like, um, cause we haven't got a dog. <laughs> Uh, um and yeah and but it gives us this really good opportunity to chat rather than sort of roll out of bed quickly smash some breakfast or throw your clothes on and get to work um and then not really talk about anything until later on that night uh so it's a really good opportunity to have a chat about future plans and what we want to do as a family and you know travel ideas and it's It sets you up for the rest of the day. You're already in that positive mindset from the offset. Um, so with yourself, like you said about your routine, is meditation something you're actively still doing now, or is it something that just got you over that line, or is it something you do? No, no, I still, I still do it now. Um, I must admit, the last few weeks in the summer holidays, it's not been as um, strict as what it usually is. Mm. Um, but I'm actually trying to introduce it with the children as well. So that's probably why it's been a bit up and down. Mm. Um, but I could never get my head around meditation initially. And I started using a uh, guide to meditation app, Headspace. Headspace. Yeah, it's uh, brilliant. Headspace is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Um, and what I would do is I would get up in the morning, um, I, would, uh, I would go downstairs, uh, no, no, no phone. My phone would be on um, airplane mode because I would have downloaded the, what I needed for, for Headspace the, the previous day. Um, and I would meditate first thing, um, and I'd go out for a run. Sometimes I'd switch that up depending on just what I was doing first thing. Um, but I, I tended to meditate first uh, and then go for a run. Um, and I would do a quick 10, 15 minute meditation um, because I, I found myself, if I did it more, because there are longer ones, I would zone out a bit too much yeah. and I wasn't up for a run. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to be just up, 
bit of water on board, meditate, go for a run, come back, and I would then, you know, have my phone. I wouldn't put my phone on until about quarter to eight when I knew it'd be work time about eight o'clock. Mm. Um, so basically, before the kids left school, my phone would be on airplane mode. Um, and I, and it was really important because you interact a lot more in the house. And as soon as you switch your phone on, you can get drawn into all sorts very quickly. And we all know we can become guilty of that, whether it's social media, whether it's emails, whether it's whatever. If, as soon as you put it on, you would get drawn into it. So I just didn't put it on until I'd finished what I, what I was doing. Yeah, and it's it's so important. And like you, what you've just explained there is something I've been like trying to ram down people's throats for the last like month. <laughs> month or so about just making that first part of the day even if it's the first half an hour all yeah. about all about you like don't don't be a reactor and immediately wake up and start mess you know replying to emails and messages and stuff like that yeah. because because somebody's messaged you you know you, you do it when you're sorted and when you're ready yeah. when you're yeah. hydrate when you're hydrated when you're focused and when you're efficient yeah and sorted you out for the whole day ahead yeah. Um, I think what a lot of people forget is as well, you mentioned hydration there, the, on average, the most dehydrated you are is when you wake up in the morning because on average you've been in bed for, I don't know, between six and nine hours. You know, you haven't had a drink during that time. So you wake up, you, know, you need to re replenish, you know, your, your fluids and, and, and take water on board. So for me, it's important to get up and, and get water on board straight first thing in the morning um, as part of the routine. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, going back to uh, the early stages of you sort of getting over the, the post-traumatic stress and um, you know seeing light at the end of the tunnel, doing all the things you, you need to do in your life, like surrounding yourself with positivity and that. Um, was it? Was it? Was there on and off days you had, uh, or was it very yeah. much just? getting yourself surrounded by the right people? No, no. I mean, there was, there was days where I was, didn't want to talk to people. Um, my mood was low. Um, you know, there was, there was plenty of that. It wasn't all great. You know, we, we just talked through what I did to get to where I am. And I still have a few low days now, nowhere near as much as what I used to do. But it was difficult to get to that stage. You know, there was some really, really low points during that time. You know, I've never... Um, What's the word? Um, try to gloss over the things that were going on with me. Yeah, I was. There's all sorts of things going on. You know, wet in the bed. Wet, you know, growing sweat in the bed. Um, you know, so there's there's lots of things going on because the nightmares became so so piercing and um, troubling, the way they were and mm. vivid. That you know, there was episodes of me me wet in the bed. So there was, you know, I'm I'm quite happy to to sit and, and say that. Some people are like, well. Why are you saying that? Because it's fact, and there will be someone out there that that is happening to. And, yeah, yeah. You know, they need to realise that it's it can happen, and you know, you probably if that's happening, you do need to start speaking to someone um, because it it's just part of your the, the, your brain telling you there's not something quite right. Yeah. Um, so you know, it wasn't all great. There was periods where I was up and down. Um, Again, I was on medication for a while, so that that balanced balanced me a bit. But my next sort of battle was to get off the medication because I didn't want to leave the army dependent on medication. 
So my routine became that ingrained that I managed to wean myself off the medication. That's, that's uh, really good. Which, which was really important to me. It was always in the back of my head that I wasn't quite right on the medication. Mm. Um, and I didn't want to have a crash and burn because that's what would happen. Um, so I thought, well, it's best for me to do it and try it while I'm still in mm. so that I've got the correct support networks around to be able to deal with that. Um, and I've come off it and I'm not on it. Um, you know, people, again, people are scared of medication, but it helped me to get better and to get where I was. And once I dealt with what I needed to, not dealt with it, because I probably still haven't dealt with everything to this day, to be honest with you, but it got me to a point where I was comfortable to talk about everything and I could taper off and wean away from it and still be okay to talk about stuff without me going to a flat spin. So, you know, there's, yeah, I've got off it. <laughs> but honestly, mate, that's a, such a remarkable thing that you, you, did that yourself and weaned yourself off it because not, not even yeah. uh, not just antidepressants and tablets for mental health issues, anxiety, stuff like that. But even yeah. people, are, even people are like hooked, hooked on painkillers and opiates and stuff like that, you know, yeah. just trying to be able to, or drugs themselves, you know, just being able to wean yeah. yourself off, off something that you become heavily reliant on is, uh, yeah. is, you know, deserves a medal in itself, mate. It was, it was all, it's mindset. I think, I think I, yeah. I got myself to, to the point of where I knew that I was coping well, really well. I just thought now it's time to try and taper off these um, and, and see how it is. Doctors weren't best pleased when I, when I told them, um, but you know, they hadn't noticed um, that it is what I was doing. I was still on them when I told them on a, you know, I think it was about a quarter of the dose um but you know they said look if it's been working we've not really noticed a difference in your in your sessions um uh you know let's let's roll with it and see see what happens so yeah i mean there was one point where they thought they may need to reintroduce it but that was just a bit of a, a blip um in me and, and but I, I was fine after after a few days no that's awesome and uh, do you have a like any sort of advice for people, uh, the guys and girls listening that may be on some form of medication, but not a hundred percent sure that they want to be on it. Don't wean yourself off it. Um, <laughs> I, like, I know I've just said I did it, but speak with the doctors and get their honest opinion because a lot of the time when you're going, when I did this, I've been for a lot of therapy, a mm. lot, um, weekly sessions once or twice a week. Um, so if people haven't dealt with things enough during that stage because the tablets are there to balance you out at the end of the day um, your mood and not getting you so low so if you imagine uh, on medication without medication I'm down here but when I'm on medication I'm up here I have a session the medication is going to bring me down to here. I'm still not at my lowest because of the medication. Yeah. Someone just takes it away and they have a bad day and they drop below this level. Yeah. That's when they have a serious problem and people make sorts of, all sorts of rash decisions. So I would always say, speak with a doctor first and foremost. Don't do what I did. Um, and make sure that, you know, it, it's... 
look at alternatives because it's not always the medication that's the issue. Uh, sorry, it's not always the medication isn't the issue at times. It's a type of medication that maybe doesn't work well with you. So always look at the alternatives and look at then the basics. So the routines, because the routine helped me, you know, that, that, that is massive. You know, morning routine and good structure to the day is what helped me. If I didn't have that in place and try to come off that medication, it wouldn't have lasted very long. Um, so I probably waffled a bit there about what your question was, to be fair. But I think no, no, there was some... That's exactly <laughs> That's exactly what we need, mate. And it's, uh, it's again, like I was saying before, it's just creating a platform for people like yourself who've been through this kind yeah. of stuff that's relative to like hundreds and hundreds of people out there um, that are, you know, almost curled up in a ball um, yeah. because they've got nowhere to turn to. So, you know, I say it time and time again, if we can help one person from this yeah. podcast and, you know, the other guys out there doing yeah. similar sort of podcasts and radio shows and all that kind of stuff, and that's that's you know most of the goals is that if we can just help one person, yeah, um, over, overcome that bit of sort of tragedy and turn it into some form of triumph, then yeah. then we're winning and you know we're more people are in a better place. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's really awesome that you can share stuff like that because it's it's what people need to hear. Um, yeah. Some people don't like to hear it at times. I have been criticised on social media before for being as open as I am. Mm. Um, and it didn't bother me, to be honest with you. It, it bothered me to a point that someone would say, but it's, it's my decision to say what my journey has been. Yeah, of course because it is. I think that the more open we are, the more blunt we are, um, because you know some of the things I say could sound quite blunt. <clears throat> you know, wet in the bed, it's quite a blunt, not a blunt term, but it's quite a, a term where you're like, I, I saw a review, you're like, oh, really? You know, it's um, not a lot of people admit to that, but I think if you don't admit to that and, and open up with things, that mm. there will be people out there suffering and doing that and they won't say anything about it. Yeah, and I, I like get, we, we need people to be as open as possible um, for, for these reasons, purely because there's people out there suffering with these same problems. Um, but again, there's potential, serious potential, and there's lives at stake. Yeah. And, and, the, and the thing is, is, is that if people recognize it early, it, it doesn't get to the critical stage of where somebody's thinking about suicide. Mm. If they realize, oh, actually, other people are like this. If we can get it early on, things can be dealt with. Careers aren't ended because... Mm they may not get that far down the line they get diagnosed with something that's going to hamper their career whatever job they have um you know if it becomes a normal conversation then you know people will fare better from it you know trying to you know prevention is better than a cure and if i can talk and tell my story to help someone prevent something it's better than us trying to try and cure them in the long run you know what i mean yeah yeah 100 percent, massively mate um, so moving forward, moving forward, um, you're working on a book, which is pretty, pretty huge. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to feel kind of left out at the minute. Like I'm interviewing all these vets and that, like got all these, <laughs> got all these books and that. And I, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like I need to bring a book out. <laughs> um, talk, talk us a bit about the book that you're going to bring out, mate. So for me, 
it was never it was never about writing a book if that makes sense for me it was about writing down my life and my thoughts to try and make it sit better in myself mm-hmm. um it was and it then became about i've got two young kids so they're going to have questions one day that they may feel they don't want to ask or awkward about asking so for me if, if i just had two books and whether that's i've just printed it off twice and put it in a binder i can say here you go yeah and they can because it is quite you know honest and open you know there's a lot of stuff about me in the media so they can read this and see from my words and they may not want to ask those questions but then they may be able to have more, more of a meaningful conversation by knowing what they know so for me it was important to do that so it's turned into me writing an actual book and i want that to be published um i'm far far not i'm not i'm far away from publishing but it's finished um mm. you know and it's a couple of my close friends are gonna have a have a run through it um a couple of them have published already mm. um so we'll, we'll see and and we'll go from there but for me it's it's not about necessarily a book but if it helps people and the main two being my kids yeah, mate, that's uh, and that's what a lot of um, that's what a lot of veterans are doing at the moment, and a lot of the goals behind and a lot of the visions behind the books are, you know, to help other people out there because, you, yes, you might not, you won't know that person individually, but if they're p- picking up your book off the shelf, and there's you know even a chapter that's re- totally relative to them and changes their perspective on things and the problems that they're facing again again you you know you're you're winning um and it's important that sort of people like yourselves and other like like-minded people people like uh, brian wood um and the other guys out there that are bringing bringing books <laughs> out who have you know suffered from ptsd and uh, been been dragged through shit to come out you know come out singing on the yeah. other side is is really really important um so like i i I really wish you all the best with your book mate and uh i hope it uh i hope it's a i hope it's a big seller um i'm sure that i'm sure there'll be some banter between you and woody yeah i I imagine there will um we'll see what he thinks of it before long (laughs) have have you asked him uh if you can be a lead role in his movie Excuse me. Um, no, <laughs> I'm a bit older now. Oh, all right, yeah, I so. haven't got the hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, see if you can just get like a little cameo uh, scene at the end. You know where the camera kind of like fixes on the like the the, the modern day versions of everyone. Like, sit, just just get your little sort of ten seconds of fame <laughs> of that. No, yeah, well, um, I'm I'm really excited about it. To be honest with you, it's mm. um it's going to be a good thing. You know, I'm excited to see how it pans out because there was a, a lot going on so we'll see yeah no that's awesome man and um sort of like daily lifestyle wise i mean you you got you landed a really good job uh working <coughs> with working with michael coates uh former royal engineer he's got um got a really good podcast himself the De- declassified yeah. um don't worry but michael <laughs> a, a free little plug-in for you there 
Um, <laughs> yeah, what's well, so, so, so how's, how's life been? Obviously, back on Civvy Street and moving forward, you got sort of like big plans? Um, I was really fortunate to, to gain that relationship with, with Michael and work for his company off the back of, of doing a podcast with him. Um, it's, I work from home. It's, you know, I get to see the kids more often, um, build my day a bit better. Um, my throat's going at the moment, so apologies. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's been great, you know, day-to-day life, you know, routine, you know, work starts at eight. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't complain to be honest with you. Um, it's a good network of people, um, positive people, and um, they're all, all striving for growth um, in, in different ways, shapes, or forms. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, going back to what we were saying before, just, you know, surrounded your whole environment pretty much with, uh, with positivity. So yeah. it's only yeah. going to bring good things for you on the other side. Yeah. And, uh, are you are you doing anything with yourself uh, sport wise? Are you kind of like an active sportsman, an athlete? Um, well, uh, I did. I've done a couple of um, mad things. Really, I did a charity football match um, a few months ago, which was painful, should we say? Yeah. Because um, I'm a keen footballer, um, but I wore brand new football boots. Ah, uh, bad move. <laughs> Yeah, playing against ex-pros as well was um, not great. Um, I did a 24-hour um, circuit session uh, last month, which, again, why why I did that, I don't know. Um, but other than that, no, it's just you know, fitness, really. Yeah. Um, just ma- yeah. maintenance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you Going back to... Um saying you're a keen, keen footballer that do you follow a certain team I know you went to the United uh, <laughs> AC Milan game last weekend but um, yeah. I, 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 I was sat near Arsenal fans we were wearing, <laughs> we were wearing Arsenal shirts I was like really? yeah <laughs> no I was um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Man United fan oh, always have been not from Manchester but Same. I was always, always yeah I, I am so um, you know it's the football was just it's, it's been great for me in life, you know, played it, you know, regimental level, um, you know, really enjoyed it, you know, um, and it was a decent level as well, you know, the regimental football's quite a decent level. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't get to do it too, too often anymore though. It's still very much uh, what I love about football, regardless of, you know, what people think about uh, sort of the, the, you know, the egotistical stuff and the violence yeah. and that that comes with it. It's, it's still, you know, it's the biggest culture in the world um, yeah. by, by far. Um, and, you know, the way it brings people together, have, have, you know, just from club level like, or, you know, your pub, Sunday pub team level all, yeah. the way up, all the way up to, you know, following, following your nation. You know, like the nation went mad when England got to the semis last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, football itself, like the way it brings people together is like fantastic. So... Um, I, I believe it's very important if you're having issues and or have had issues and stuff like that, you get yourself involved with this kind of stuff. You know, doesn't not necessarily football could be like rugby, yeah. or whatever. But we're talking to people, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. Just on a on a like minded level that like you just mentioned there with a common interest. Mm. It's really it's really important. Um, where, obviously, because there's going to be a lot of guys and girls that have uh, have listened to this and have had problems or are having problems right now. Um, where can they find you on social media? I, I mean, I'll put, I'll put all the, the, sh- uh, yeah. the tags in the show notes, but um, where, where, where do you spend the most time? Where do you hang out the most? Um, so um, I use most of the, the main platforms, really. Instagram, um, I'm Sean Jones underscore MC. Um, on Facebook, um, my page on there is Sean Jones MC. Um, on Facebook, it's, uh, it's, it's a... Uh, one of the pages on there um and on twitter it's at sean jones mc so all very very similar um and yeah i use all three platforms quite often um not a lot through throughout the the holidays recently yeah um with with work being a bit busier but um I'm, i'm on there quite quite often okay so you know for guys and girls listening uh may have an issue and that i mean reach out speak to sean i'm sure he'll uh, yeah. be more than happy to help you through current situations or just to give you a bit of advice and moving forward um trying to maybe get you out the little hole that you might find yourself in yeah yeah no definitely there's people that message me quite often um whether it's just for a chat a little bit of advice um i'm a medical professional you know but i can i can you know sympathize and tell you what i did right and what i did wrong more importantly because i did make mistakes um so yeah you know definitely if anyone does want to chat or anything really can definitely send me a message um before we uh before we wrap mate um (coughs) i always ask my my guests this question and i I think it's a really good question because it brings out a lot in guests because um, they need you know kind of like think on the spot but it helps them um kind of reflect on themselves now we've got this imaginary time machine um here here in the in the here stuck in the wi-fi somewhere yeah um and you, you can put a post-it in, note in it and you're going to send it back to 15 year old sean jones uh what there's a couple of bullet points that you could put on there for him to read what would those be Oh, 15 year old. Mm. Okay. So you're not quite, so you haven't joined the army yet. And yeah. you're, you're just at that funny age where you're kind of like going past adolescence, haven't you? And you've, you found yeah. find, finding yourself sort of thing. So, um, I mentioned the one already stay in school longer. Um, it's, it's, that's, I know it's a, it's a bog standard one, but, but definitely do be kinder because I got me personally, I, I wasn't a very nice person at times. So be kinder. It's free. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a t- it's a tough question that way. I tell you, um, I think probably set an example earlier on. Yeah. Um, because I didn't really set an example. For, for people when I was younger, um, you know, probably was a bit too far to the right. Do you know what I mean? I was not out of control, but, you know, especially joining the army early, um, had all this money and not a lot to do with it. So yeah. 
my two main points would probably be kind and set an example, to be honest with you. No, that's brilliant, mate. It is. And like I said, it, it is a good question. It really uh, sort of... It takes you, starts you thinking, yeah. you know, straight away because that's, that's, it, that is a difficult question, you know. It, it is, yeah. It is. And um, no, I mean, thanks for sharing that with us, mate. Guys and girls, uh, I really, really hope you took some amazing golden nuggets away from from Sean's episode today. It's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show, mate. Um, please, guys and girls, if you like the show and you took a lot away from it, please leave us a review. It means the world to the show and it means that we get out there a lot more and we help more and more people every single day for every single episode. Um, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I, I'm really glad that we finally nailed down some time to get you on. Um, <laughs> And I, I wish you all the best with your book moving forward and everything that you're doing. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and, you know, guys and girls, if you learned something from, from Sean today, please let us give us some feedback. Like, let us know what you thought. Um, and likewise, if you're struggling, you know, it's like we've said many, many times before, it's, it's, it's not weak to speak. Get out there, talk to people, get in touch with Sean. I'm sure I'll be more than happy, more than obliged to um to let to lend an ear no definitely and um no like, honestly it's been great to get on here it has um i'm sure we will be talking a lot more in the future um and um yeah it's been nice to meet you for the last few hours and um yeah definitely the reviews i can't echo that enough do help build um you know not only the audience but confidence in the main yeah. man that's, that's doing it that he's he's doing the right things so um definitely those reviews are really important yeah cheers man guys and girls i uh, really hope you enjoyed today's episode we've got loads more amazing episodes lined up over the next few months of more amazing stories but until next time please take away all the amazing golden nuggets that sean has shared with us today and go out there and become the best version of you.